Shalom. This is uh, Vayichan number three. An unbelievable program. I mean, all the credit due to my beloved Rabbi Terrigan. This is unbelievable. Uniting people through Torah. What could be better? Uh, what could be more important? So once again, you should only be matzliach in this Rebu covered Shemai. And I'm very honored and, 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 and believe, unbelievably fulfilled by being part of this unbelievable program. We hope this should uh, have impact on people to think more, learn more, and ultimately be better people and better Jews. Well, let's start. The, um, I understand the broad topic is the, um, is the period, the Churban, uh, etc., uh, around the idea possibly of obviously Yisrael. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk about obviously Yisrael, and since I'm usually at the end of this, uh, I think I'll talk more about what the Churban is to me. I say this because this is the time of year where um, it seems to be quite hard, to be honest. Uh, every year I think over and over again, do I really miss this Mikdash? Um, uh, my cultural reality is as such that I really don't think I'm going to miss the idea of skirted priests slitting throats of goats and sprinkling blood on altars, or Levine singing this nasal oriental music that you probably hear in the old city. Uh, I guess there's other, I would prefer Bach, or maybe, you know, Mozart. Uh, what, what, what do I miss here? Do I miss animal sacrifices? To be very honest at the moment, no. Even when I daven every day, when I pray for these things, Hashem Vesavayda, I actually ask God, please help me really want this. It's a struggle for the person that grew up in the Western world, to be honest. Do you really, really want this to happen the way it is? Or would you like to kick it into metaphor? Yeah, the Bechina of Migdash is easy to want, because then it's very subjective. But the Migdash, the way it is, um, it's quite hard. And the problem is that we're now into going into a stage of Avelus, especially when we hit Rosh Av and Shavuot Shechal B'Tishavuot, Mamish Dinim of an Avel of Avelus Gemura, the extent that the, uh, there were Kadmonim that didn't put on film Shorosh at all. Not the way we do it in the morning, we don't do it in the afternoon, they didn't put it on. And there were Neig Min Hage Avelis, and Mora says, the more that you're a Talmud Chacham, Rama points this out, the more Avelis you had. Obviously, it means to say people who live more in a world of thought really, really miss this more than others. Rama writes, I mean, most of the Allahs of Tishbub that you know about, many of them rather, are Min Hage Tamid Chachamim. It was Min Hage Tamid Chachamim. There's a very famous Gemara of a person who walked, uh, walked the streets with black shoes, and at the time, black shoes was a simon of Avelis. And he says, who are you that you can walk around saying that you really mourn for Jerusalem? And I thought he was a Balgaiva. Like, how can I walk around expressing, I really mourn for Jerusalem? They put him in jail. <laughs> and then he says, no, I'm a Gavar Rabba. And whatever happened, the story—it's a very interesting story. At the end, he—they uh, saw he was a gavaraba, and they let him—they let, they let him out, implying that the more you're a gavaraba, the more it's actually appropriate. It makes sense that you actually mourn for Jerusalem, and the more shell you are, the less you miss it. 
The externalities of the Migdash, anybody could miss. But what it really means, and seeing what, how, what happens in the externalities represents what it means, that seems to be the domain of people who live in the world of thought. Those people miss what it really means, and ultimately they miss the Migdash for what it means. So every year I, I, I try to understand what the Migdash is for me. It's been going years and years, and sometimes I go back to an idea and I find more depth into it because Avelis has to be something which is real. Um, You've got to miss something. Well, here's one theme that I developed because it, it comes out of, you know, honestly, it's subjective. Uh, I want to share it with you. I'd like to... Well, maybe you'll find your own ways of uh, of missing the Migdash. And I'm going to show you an example how I understand it. This is one approach out of many. You know, every Tishbub is another year. Until hopefully this year, this is just going to be a promo for B'yusam Migdashiach. And we're actually, there is going to be a Migdash. At least then we'll be able to go and say, well, this is what it means. Good, I want it. This is what I'm trying to teach. Okay, so let's start. We all know that the Gemara um, says, "Kol Misabal Yerushalayim Zoychev Roiyeh Benechemosa." You actually have to be Misabel on Yerushalayim if you want to see the the rebuilding and the comforting. And the extent that you are Misabel, you will be Misnachim, which is so important. Pasik says in Eicha, the Pasik says in Eicha Perik Beis, Pasik Yudzain, Asa Hashem Asher Zamam, God, that, that, which he had planned, Bitsa Imrata, little translation, he actually, he did, or actualized, that which he said he would do, Asher Tzivami Meikerem, that which he had commanded from yesteryear, which we know, this goes all the way back to the Parshish HaMaraglim, Haras Velo Chamal, he destroyed with no mercy. Vayisamach Alayich Oyev, actually your enemy was very happy about this, Herim Keren Sarayich, those who were your afflictors, all of a sudden the stature rose. This is what the Pasuk says. But the Medrash points out that the idea of Bitsa Emraso, can also be understood, or rather, a, 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 a some kind of a metaphor. To the idea of Bitsam means to say he was mevatzea, he split, he opened up. Emratom means the hem of his garden, the hem of his clothes. Okay, the idea that you have a certain baget which you've undone, it's the hem of it. It's become Bitsapapira Shaloi, that's the Lush and the Medrash. He undid the hem of his purple, which is majestic clothing, as we know, Porpira is supposed to be the name for Tachelis, so whether it's purple or it's dark blue, this we won't go into, that's an issue of its own, but whatever it be, he undid his baggage, implying looking at the Migdash as an idea of a baggage, which naturally means it's something subjective, there is no baggage like the other, for every baggage implies the stature of a person, that we all know. My begot is my stature, is my honor. It's what sets me aside and makes me different. My begot is something which is supposed to not just protect me, but to express externally who I am. Very important. They're all halachas. What kind of a begot is proper for a Talmud Chacham? People don't learn this. It's so interesting to see how young people are dressed. 
The mice look up around them. Well, maybe they don't think they're Tamid Chachamim, which is a possibility. But if you read Lachanarama, for example, torn things don't work too well. So I guess the torn genes, etc., don't work if you plan to be considered a Tamid Chachamim. Maybe you're a big honor and you don't, you don't think you are. That's very nice. But the reality is that the Begit is supposed to express your stature. And when we talk about that God undid his Begit, we're implying to say that the Migdash is called a Begit. Okay? It's a Begit. It's a subjective reality giving stature to every, every person. Once again, telling me, yes, I have to find my Begit. What is my Migdash? Well, there's a very famous custom that's brought down in the Shulchan Aruch already. Coming out of this Pasuk, this custom is Nismach, his support is somewhat of an Nismachta from this Medrash, Pitzayim Rasai, undoing the Begit. Two things are there. First of all, the Minig is not to wear Tzitzis, Talus. Minig was not to wear Tzitzis in Tishabav in the morning, you know, you don't have him with the Talus. Pitzayim Rasai, he undid the Begit of Tzitzis. Another minute is to take away the parochus. Bishar Rasai, he undid his baggage, and the specific baggage, unique word which is defined as baggage in the base of Migdash, is the parochus. For it's a baggage somehow protecting and projecting the movement between the Kaidish and the Kaidish Akadashim, or rather from Kaidish Akadashim and the Kaidish. I'd like to explain this. What are these begadim uniquely of the minute of Tzitzis? and Pereiches, how that somehow will teach me what is my baggage in this Migdash. Very famous Gemara in Gittin, Daphne Vav. Gemara there describes how Titus was a Mechare from Megadeth, very blasphemous. He came in and he, uh, and he blasphemed God. The Gemara describes Daphne Vav on a He did multiple things there. He took a Sefer Torah, he took a harlot and had a, a sexual encounter with her in the base Amigdash, basically to show there's nothing there. Then he took out his sword and he sliced the parochus. The Gemara says, Venasa nace. There was a nace, a miracle, and blood, drops of blood came out of that cut, out of the severed parochus. And obviously, and it says there that Titus thought he had killed God that God is embodied in the Parachas, and by cutting into the Parachas, he had cut God, he had killed God. That's what the Gemara says. Horek is atzmoi, the Gemara uses a Lashen, which is a kinu ito ha-kadosh if you can read Rashi there. So obviously, and then the Pasuk comes out and says, <laughs> don't worry about it. But what does it mean? What is Chazal telling us? Did it really happen? Well, if it really happened, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Oyna Oyse Nes doesn't do it for anything. There's got a meaning in it. And if it didn't actually happen, just Chazal are trying to describe something in a metaphoric way, typical morality approach, well then it also has to be explained. If it's a nest, it's there to teach you something. And if it's only a metaphor of a nest, definitely Chazal are trying to teach you something. So what really happened there with, uh, with, 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 with Titus? Killing the Parachus. Thinking is killing God and blood coming out. The morale in his book, Netzach Yisrael, in Perik Hay, elaborates on this at length, and I'm going to um, explain it, if I may, in my, in, my, in my fashion. 
There's an obsession with uniqueness of blood in the Mikra. We even call every murder Shvichas Damim, pouring blood. It's actually not true. It's, yeah, if you, uh, if, you, if, you, if you use a knife, you're pouring blood. I can grant that. But there are other ways of killing people. There's Arba Mises Bezdin. I mean, there's Lav Dafka Shvichas Damim when you're doing Chenek. Throttling someone does not pour blood. Okay? Uh, Sreifa may pour blood internally, I grant that, but you wouldn't see it. You're pouring hot lead down someone. So what exactly is the idea of blood? And then killing somebody through skila, a, uh, a blunt object falling on someone's head, crushing him, is that, that, that's the idea of the death because the shvichas damen? Why is it called shvichas damen? What is the idea of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of kisri adam? Respecting the blood of the animal. Yes, we use the animal for food, we're allowed to. Yet there's a certain halacha of respecting the animal by covering his blood. What are we saying here? You know, we say there's an issue of eating blood, drinking blood, or eating frozen blood. Because um, Adam hua nefesh. So to speak, the dam is the nefesh, which obviously cannot be taken literally. Uh, I don't believe that anybody thinks that if you get a blood transfusion, you get another soul identity. That would be somewhat pathetic. Um, well, let's define the word nefesh. We all know the Gemara says that the neshama has five names, which means to say that metaphysical entity expresses itself in five different ways. What are they? Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, Yechida. Those are the five names of the Nefesh, of what you call the Neshama. Neshama is a Shem Kail, it's a total name for the whole reality, but it's also an aspect of the Neshama. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama. It's actually number three. We say, Elokai, Neshama, Shenasatabi, Tahirahi. And you know, Rebchaim Velazhner asked, for goodness sakes, how can you possibly say that every morning? You've sinned. I mean, you said, you know, and my rib, and believe me, you hopefully you said Vidri before you went to sleep. And you know, you know how many Averis you can do before you say the kind of Shama in the morning? Tahirahi. At the best, you say, I need to do Tshuva, and I want to do Tshuva. How can you possibly Tahirahi? It's pure. Rebchaim asked the question, and the answer Rebchaim points out is that, yes, the only aspects of the neshama which are expressed in your bodily world are the last two, which are called nefesh and ruach. Nefesh means to say that expression of the neshama, which is the um, properties of called life, the energy of life, the fact that there's a life, there's a living organism here, that gift of life is the one expression of the neshama. And when that nefesh leaves, okay, there's still the neshama, just the nefesh is no more expressed in the body, so the body is no more alive, and that organism crumbles and turns to dust. Doesn't mean there's no more nefesh. That nefesh, that aspect of neshama is not expressed through the name or through the action called nefesh. Ruach deals with the idea of movement, emotional movement, your psychological profile, and movement at large. 
Those two aspects are, are, are actually what you, those two aspects expressed in your life is what life is. Nefesh and Ruach. Those are the aspects which engage in mitzvahs and engage in sin actively. And that's why Koresh deals with Nifrishu Hanifasha Isais. But your Neshama is not actively involved in your Maisim Bechal Yoim. It's so to speak without going into it at the moment, because I'd really love to teach you, but I don't think the time allows. It, so to speak, is above that. It expresses itself in other domains and other realms and other levels of existence. And therefore, you can honestly say, Neshama Shinasat to be Tahirahi. But your Nefesh, oh no, <laughs> problems. Your Nefesh is your, now when we say that the Nefesh is the blood, what does that mean? Just as Nefesh is nothing more than an expression of the, of one property of the Neshama, what would be the ultimate expression of the Nefesh in the body? Well, the ultimate expression of life would be the constant rejuvenation of yourselves through the nutrients which are constantly flowing through that beautiful stream called the blood. The blood, the importance of blood, blood is a liquid, a nice liquid, interesting liquid, but the idea of blood being because it's the river of life, it's the old Mississippi in the days way back there in America. It's where all the steamboats go. Okay, it connects everything together. It brings food. It brings abundance. Dam is based. The river of blood is basically the river of constant, the flow of nutrients, which will constantly rejuvenate your cells. That means you are a living organism. And when there's that blood stops, when there's no more nefesh, when there's no more nefesh, whatever reason it be that bloodline all of a sudden becomes nothing more than a bunch of murky, red, sticky liquid. It became meaningless. There's no more flow of nutrients because there's no more cells which are, the cells are deteriorating. That's called your nefesh left. Shvich Dami means to say you have poured out the meaning of the blood, not that you pour, the pouring out the blood is a metaphor. It means the bittle of its metzius. That's what the morale writes over there. It became meaningless. It is no more the stream of life. It's just a pool of liquid. Someone dies. It's, it's, yes, that's the tears of the fushes. It's exactly what it is. Now you understand when we talk about that the um, blood coming out of the parochus, it means to say that that which Titus did, he cut away the meaning of the parochus. He destroyed the meaning of what parochus was supposed to be. Parochus had a certain stature, and that became meaningless, destroyed and annulled. And he actually thought he was killing God. That means say there is no more God expressed. And so God says, no, I'm here. But at the moment, this expression is not happening. And that's what this means. He made this meaningless. And like that, try to understand what does Parachis do? And what happened in that Chorban that all of a sudden there is no more Parachis, which is meaningful. What is the Yisoyed of the Parachas? We know that basically um, the Parachas is that place 
which is the medium between the Kodesh HaKadoshim and the Kodesh. There is something which divides between them, but in a way it's also the place where they meet. The nature of things, there must be a division between Kodesh and Kodeshim, between Kodesh, but that place of division is also the place in which somehow they join. Gemara says that um, the two badim of the Orion would stick out through the Kaparichas, Kishnei Dadim. There is a certain tribe that the Orion wants to come outside into the world of the Kodesh, from the Kodesh and Kodeshim, Yet somehow it's expressed there, but through a mechitza. Once again, what does that mean? Well, it goes like this. First and foremost, what is the Kodesh HaKadosh? You know, the Gemara says that Megill is something fantastic. The Gemara says that the um, dimensions of the Kodesh HaKadosh were 20 amos, 20 cubits. On, you know, the length of the Kodesh HaKadosh was 20 cubits. Yet we're talking about Yashani, which each, there are two Kruvim there, and each Kruv was 10 cubits. Each Kruv was 10 Amos. Well, if Kruv was 10 Amos, that means they touched the walls. And that was just the Kruvim. For goodness sakes, where then is the Oro? You're talking about just the Kruvim took 10 Amos, and then where's the Oro? The Oro is missing. The Kruvim were not in the middle, they were at the side. Where's the Makkah Ma'aren? And the Gemara says, Makkah Ma'aren Enam Min Hamida, it somehow is not included. Which is unbelievable. In other words, what that Gemara is saying, that in a space of 20 Amas, you had something which was more than 20 Amas, and mass did not take space. Now, you know that's impossible. It's definitely impossible in the world of physics that we're acquainted with. In the reality of the dimensions of that which is finite, we realize that mass takes space. And yet here there was a place that told us that the Oronachitis does not take space. Uh, what happened exactly? Was there a certain movement of time moving faster there and therefore possibly took less space? We're not going to the simplicity of it. They're based on Chazal. I don't know if they knew exactly of uh, the theory of relativity. Is that mass did not take space? Now, what does that mean? Now, there's a parallel to that. Or says that uh, one of the nisim in the Midrash was They would stand very, very crowded. Like literally, I was 30 centimeters square, like a balata, as we call it here in Israel. Okay? And they were very, 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 very crowded in the Azara. Yet when they had to prostrate themselves in the Shtachvaya, as you all do in Yom Kippur, everybody had space, which means the minimum, Now, how exactly does this happen? Well, I always thought about this. Could it possibly be that they shrunk them, like that movie, We Shrunk the Children? I don't think that's what it says. Did the uh, Azora extend itself miraculously? That wouldn't work, because Hakob Iksavala, his skill, no, that would puzzle the Azora. The Azora has certain dimensions. So that didn't happen. Did they hover on top of each other like stack airplanes? No, you need a Shtaklo How did this happen? The Ramam is very beautiful. The Ramam was bothered by this Imperial Mishnah of others and says it doesn't really, you know what the miracle says he was? 
miracle where the Jews did not push. And each one waited for the other one to do it. It's not like, you ever go to like a bus line in Tachanemer Kazit, but you're one before the door, and all of a sudden you're like six people in front of you? It's like the charge of light brigade, just to the right of you, to the left of you, and all of a sudden you're like six or seven in line. Well, the miracle was that no one pushed. And we made one person bow, okay, then the next one. So there's always room for everybody. Um, that's a beautiful pirish, which I, I always teach, but... Um, some of the Gemara doesn't seem to see, uh, it doesn't say that, because according to the Ramah, that would be called a miracle. A miracle the Jews finally didn't push. Okay, but interesting, he had his view about the Jewish people, that to actually work, you know, as a proper, nice Englishman, uh, which says thank you and doesn't push in a queue, that would be a miracle. I guess he understood the Oriental, the Levant nature of our nation. But uh, that's not the stuff of the Gemara. Some of the Gemara seems to be very simple. Mass did not take place. What we have here is something frightening. You see, because miracles we understand are changes of, na- of nature, but within the confines of the relation uh, of the laws of nature. Yes, to change from uh, water into blood is miraculous because they have a different molecular structure. And God will you know, simply change the molecular structure of water and it will become blood. Okay. A miracle. Possibility. But the idea, even the idea of, I don't know what, man coming from heaven. It's a possibility. It does not defy physics. It defies the odds of things happening. It changes the laws of things. But it doesn't defy the basic concepts of physics. To say that mass does not take space, that doesn't make sense. It's impossible, and God wants to tell you that's not true. God wants to tell you that your perceptions of reality are are a created form, defined by your senses and by your sensual experience of existence. You think about what you see, you think about what you feel, and also you translate it into ideas, and that's what you would call your laws of science. But reality is, this is also a created form. It's a created form of thinking. It's a view created by your experiences through your senses. I'll give you an example. Can you imagine if you'd only had the sense of sight without the sense of touch or smell? And you put a candle next to a mirror. And I would ask you, how many candles are there? What would your answer be? You would have no way of saying there's a candle and a reflection because you couldn't discern between them. They look the same. You can't touch. You can't smell. They are the same. Equals there too. It is only because you have the sense of touch and smell that you can discern the difference in the texture or the odor and you can come to a conclusion that one is real and the other one is what you will call a reflection. Equals your language and experience of reality totally depends on how you internalize reality through the nature, through the senses you have, through the tools you have, which they give you the way of understanding it, ultimately creating a perception of reality, and that's what we call reality. What God has just told you, you have a reality called mass takes space, and it is honestly true, but that's a created form of experience. It doesn't have to be. It's the will of God which chooses what will be, what won't be. This is God telling you, expressing himself, not God of creation, but the God behind creation, 
who willed creation, who thought about it, and then he decided to express himself in certain specific words and forms. But God created prior to him expressing himself in forms, that's what's expressed in the Kedush HaKadoshim. You know what it's like? It's like when you think there's so many ideas in your mind, but from thinking until talking, a lot of things happen. I know I might say a daily shear. Sometimes when I walk into shear, my mind is still cooking, and when I finally say, I have to really write it again because it's something totally different. When you talk, you have to talk to your student body. Your job is to educate them, give them tools of, of, of analytical reading, conceptual analysis, textual analysis, actually forensic reading. You know, you, you, have, you have a job there. You want to make people who are thinking, feeling, profound individuals. Your job is not to throw out your feelings and your ideas, but to train people how to feel and how to think. You'd rather have the tools to feel and think on their own. So what you have in your mind is who knows what. What finally came into expression, that's something practical. And they're not, usually one does not reflect the other. The Olam HaMachshava is much freer than the Olam Adibur. The Machshava of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is infinity. The Dibur of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the source of finite. God made finite forms to express that infinite thought. The Gemara says that there's a Sarim Amoris, the Mishnah Pirkei Avis, the Gemara says there's only nine. The Gemara says, Bracious Nami Maimu. You know, Rav Nachum Breslau says in his Likuti Maran, well, if it's a Maimur, why doesn't it say Vayadabir? He said, no, no, no. This is the Dibur Sheba Machshava. It's God thinking. The total picture of creation and then the deeper is practically how to realize that. So it's actually one big oasis. Brias Oilam is one big picture. That's precious. But it wasn't said. It was thought. We call that also deeper. That's called thought. And then there's deeper. The Kurdish Kedoshim expresses the idea that a world of thought. What's really behind anything? It is there that you will find meaning and purpose of everything which is realized. If you know what's behind it and who's behind it. That's called Machshava. Kaidish HaKadashim is the Oilam HaMachshava. It's where God free the worlds of physics. The thoughts, the ideas, God in his expression of self is not bound by the world of physics. But he said things by Daber, by Yoimer, Yehi or Yehirakia, and created finite reality in a certain form called the laws of physics, the laws of nature. The um, Paraichis is called Dvir. In that Gemara, in Gitten and Vav, it's called Dvir. Kaddish Kedashim is also called Dvir. What is Dvir? Dvir is the Lushan of Dibur. Gemara says, it's called Shemisham Dibrois Yoitzos. This is where the Dibrois come out. Where did the Dibrois come out from the world of Machshava? The Preiches is that medium which can connect the world of Machshava to the world of Dibrois.
in the Kaidish, that's the world of Dibur. There are different Kalim in which we serve God, whether it's the Menaira, whether it's the Shulchan, or either further into the Mizbeach Ha'ilah and the Mizbeach Ha'ktairis. These are forms. There's a world of transcendent thought, of abstract thought, of where we're really coming from, and then the world of expressing it. You know, the Ramam writes that um, the base of Migdash is supposed to be a bayis la'ashem. Muchan l'hakiv be'akarbanas. Ramam perik al You know, I'm always pondered, what does bayis la'ashem mean? What makes something a bayis la'ashem? Well, the Tesefta writes in Zvachim at the end that the definition of a Migdash is not the Mizbeach. It has to have an Orin with the Luchas. Without an Orin and a Luchas, it's not a Migdash, it's a Bama, a Bama Gedayla. And they're major enough communists la'alacha. It's obvious that that's why the Raman Paskins and Hilchis Beisabchira, that the Orin HaKadosh, even during Bayesheni, was there, yet in some subterranean cavern, in Harabais. That's a machloikis in Gemara, and the Ramam is machria, that Oran Nignas Bimakaima. And everybody asks, why does the Ramam Paskin Oran Nignas Bimakaima? And the answer is simple because of that Tesefta. Without the Oran Bimakaima, that would not be a Migdash, it would be a Bama Gedaila. And we know for all Halakhs, as far as the Korbanus Seber and Shabbos are concerned, it was a Migdash, not a Bama Gedaila. So you needed a Migdash Mekayimah. The Chiddush of the Ramam is, but Mekayimah doesn't have to be in the Kedush Kedushim, which is visible. There's also a subterranean cavern, which is a Kedush Kedushim. Ramam points out, that's also where they hid the um, the Tzintzenes Haman and the Mata Aram. Now that is supposed to be Lifnei Hashem in the Kedush Kedushim. And the answer is yes. When Shlomo made the Migdash, he made a, a Kedush Kedushim Hagalui and a Kedush Kedushim Anistra. It's a nice way of saying that the world of thought has gone deep, deep, deep into the subterranean realities and much less accessible. Killing the Paraichis is killing that connection between the Kaidish and the Kaidish HaKadoshim. Killing the relationship between Olam HaMachshava and Olam HaDibur. You know what it means to you and me? It means to say, A, the world of thought is much less accessible. People live a much more shallow life and don't search for the world of thought, purpose, meaning. We're so busy with food, clothing, and shelter that we never ask why, what for, and where does this lead to, and how does this justify existence? Not only that true, not only is there a very big gap in what we call the search for any truth, and people love living externalities. I'm talking even in Torah and mitzvot. They, so to speak, can be very shallow. They don't express any true ideology. Oh, they may express emotions. People love jumping, singing, and clapping. They think they stand on the roof of some yeshiva in the old city. They're close to God. I remember once... We had him love a Malka on the, a certain rooftop in Jerusalem, the old city, and, you know, with the singing and the dancing, and the guys were Amish, their eyes were rolling, they felt they were close to the Lord. So I told him, you know, when I was a kid, there was a newspaper in New York called the Rolling Stone. You know, in the 
Al Shem, uh, a certain group of uh, very famous or infamous singers, you know, Mick Jagger, etc. Rolling Stones. So I remember when I saw, I'm talking really a kid, like 10 years old, and uh, uh, 11, and, uh, and, uh, and there, was a, uh, there was an advertisement. It says, well, when you go on, we'll cremate mm-hmm. you, and we will put you in a capsule, and you will then you will put you somewhere, you know, we'll, we'll orbit you around the globe, and you will be close to the Lord. <laughs> so it says, let me tell you, you guys on the rooftop singing, I was close to the Lord, as that, that ash in a capsule. <laughs> Just because you feel something doesn't mean it is. You're close to your nervous systems. Your images, are they real? You know when you're close to the Lord, if you live, think, walk, and talk His ideas, then you're close to Him. When your thoughts are the thoughts of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, His Chachma, and through His mitzvahs, etc., you're connected to Him. When you live His values, when you live His purpose, when your will is his, I say it's in it's or no. When it's one, then you're close to Akadishbach. One has to know that. And we live in a shallow world which is very sensuous, which everybody wants to feel close to something. I got a small feeling they're closer to their toes than they are to Akadishbach. I've seen people singing and dancing and clapping, but nothing changed in their lives. They're still running after externalities and hedonistic pleasures. That's not Kirvus Hashem. That's not Tveikus Hashem. Something happened. Bayis Hashem means to say the Rambam writes in Merinavuchim. You know, just like every Avodah had a temple which they would put the artifacts which express their the inherent values of their faith, and they would meditate on those images. And through that, meditating on the meaning of those images would cerebrally really get close to the values and the ideas. That would be a closeness to their images. Then they would do their sacrifices. So, Lahavda, we have the same thing. We have a bias, Hashem, a place where there is the Oran. Where you have the God of the covenant. Your covenantal relationship with God, which supersedes the laws of science. It's Makam Oran Einam in Amida. You connect to that. You connect to the world of thought of God pre-creation. And what, is, what is this God? What does he want? Why did he do any of this? How I am in the, how, Who am I in this big plan? And then after you've connected to your inherent value systems, you've tried your best at whatever stage you are, then you express that in the Mukhan L'Hakiva Karbanais, then you express that in Avodas Hashem through Karbanis, Bismanaza through Tefillah, and Chogigim Elam Shalish Panim B'Shana. Then the nation, as a nation who has experienced this covenantal relationship, who has meditated on its values, expresses itself through a national experience of us all converging on Harabais. But it has to first be a Bais Hashem. There's got to be a an Orin. And a relationship between an Oren and an Olam Akarbanis, which is the Karachas. Let's go to Tzitzis for a moment. 
What are tzitzis? Well, as mentioned, the, we know that the tzitzis is based on the idea there's a baguette. And we know that, as I mentioned, the Gemara and Shabbos said, Mani Mechabdusa, the purpose of a baguette is to covers your body on one hand, protects it, and through that, sometimes covering in a certain way, expresses your, your stature. And it seems to be that there are fringes in that stature. The tzitzes are basically tzitzes to your persona. The Gemara says in Shabbos, Tavchofeya Midbeis, Ramapaskin Zit La'alocha, and Perik Lamed Hilchis Shabbos, Kachaya Minhogesh by Eloi, Erev Shabbos. This was the custom of Rebbe Yudubar Eloi. Every Erev Shabbos. Mivim le'areva chamim. They would bring a, 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 a pot full of hot water. V'roich is pun of Yod They didn't exactly have baths there or showers, so he would clean his face, his arm, his face, his arms, hands, and his feet. Misatev, he would then be misatev, which means to say the Ram is going to point v'yoshev b'sadin ram tzuyotzin. He would sit in the equals a talus, a, a, a wrap of of white wrap. Sadinim are usually white with uh, with tzitzis in them. For daimel amalach shem tzvakas, he would look like a malach shem tzvakas. This is what he did. Wore tzitzis lechavit shabbos. You know the Yemenites still have this custom of kabbalas shabbos with talus. Sometimes it's a pity. I feel why we don't we have this. Ram says this la alochim periglamid shabbos lochabes ezu kavod. What is the kavod of Shabbos? Zesham rucha chamim chachamin toras she mitzvah laodam. We are commanded lirchotz panav yadaver aglav once again to cleanse our hands, our face, our legs. Bechamim beerev Shabbos. We play kavod of Shabbos. Obviously reflecting that gemara that we just mentioned. Umis atev betzitzis. Again that gemara. Yoshev Bekoved Rosh, he sits heavy-hearted, seriously. Miyachel, and awaiting, like Paulus Pnei Shabbos, to finally meet Shabbos. Certain Allah of Yoshev Bekoved Rosh, Miyachel the Shabbos. To remember as a child, we had that minigan at home. We would all get scrubbed up and dressed, wow, a few hours before Shabbos. I'll sit in the living room with my father and mom, and we all sing Shira Shirim together. And then we used to have our, what you call the kugel of Arab Shabbos and a cup of tea. And then we went to Kabbalah Shabbos and Shul. There was a certain feeling we are waiting for Shabbos. The story goes about the Briskarov. He lived in Jerusalem in Rehov Yishayel Press, right next to Strauss. Now that's the uh, Brisky Shiva. Of from Yeshua, uh, well, that used to be a small building with a porch. Mm-hmm. I still remember it. And every year of Shabbos, like an hour before Shabbos, the Rav used to sit all dressed up and just sit on the porch. And they once asked the Rav Zuchan Levracha, what is this? He said, some of for Shiramba. Yoishev Bekoved Reish, Miyachilak Paulus Pnei Shabbos. I'm waiting for Shabbos. You know, there is a cut. I want us to understand the depth of this. What do you mean you're waiting for Shabbos? So we know there is a custom to say Shir Hashim on Shabbos, Erev Shabbos, as I mentioned. And where's this coming from? So here I'll tell you something. Shir Hashim, Erev Shabbos, 
wearing tzitzis of Shabbos, Yoyeshiva Mitzapel the Shabbos, what's all that? Ramban says in Pashas Kedashim on the Pasik and Shabsaisai Tishmairu Mikdashi Tiro. So to Rabban, when it says in Mikdashi Tiro, it does not mean the Mount, the, 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 the Temple on Moriah. Rather, it means the Temple of Time called Shabbos. There's a mitzvah of Yiras Shabbos, the Temple of Time, which we understand mm-hmm. meaning very simply if the Temple is the place where you focus. And that God of Machshava, well, Shabbos is the time that you do it. Kaddish means transcendent and set aside. Taisus, Kedushin, Dafer, Bezam, and Bez. The temple of place is Moriah. The temple of time is Shabbos. That's what it means, Migdashitur. There's a mitzvah of Yiraz Shabbos, which means to say, Lomina Migdash at the Yare, and Mishishaychem Besaycha. You're not afraid of Shabbos. There's a certain sense of acute awareness of godliness on Shabbos, which is Machaiva din of Yiras Shabbos. The Urayim writes it la'alachin, there's me and our mitzvahs. The Urayim and the Baag say there's a mitzvah, as I say, of Yira on Shabbos. There's actually a Yerushalmi in Demai that says that the Amoris, which is normally not believed on Demai, because we're not sure he's mocked on Maestras, but if he says he was mocked Maestras, on Shabbos he's believed. In the beginning of Demai, why? Amos Shabbos Olaf. <laughs> the Amorites of Zman Talmud had a more acute God awareness than we have today. Amos Shabbos Olaf, it's frightening. Kabbalah Shabbos is Kabbalah, you're, you're going to meet God. You're going to meet God, and when you meet God, you know, what does this mean to meet God? Again, to introduce yourself into God awareness, to move away from the world of thought, the world of action and speech, and move into the world of thought. Contemplate not what you're doing, but the whys. That's what Shabbos is. Shabbos is not a day for, you know, oh, having parties. Some people think Kabbalah Shabbos means to say it's some, um, you know, me sing and clap again. No, no, no. Shabbos is a time of thought. Meleches Machsheves Osra Taira. Which means to say that Malacha and Shabbos is defined by purpose. You may be carrying a big pot in the Rosh Hashanah, but all you have in there is a small little pea, which is not a sheer Hitzah, your butter. It's not called a tzah. Aye, but you have a big pot. No, no, that pot's purpose is a small little pea, which is not important. Don't you see, we do not look at externalities. We look at what they mean, what they're for. That's the world of Shabbos. That's meeting God on Shabbos. Delving in the depths of why, what for, where from. What does it really mean? Well, then the years are lachad, yes, you should be yoshiv and metzapel Shabbos. And so interesting that that's exactly when we know we have this minute of saying Yashir Ashirim. You know why? The Zerah Kodesh writes in Truma Kufim Gimel. Yoimad is Galashirosadah, the day that this, the Gilui of this Shir of Shir Ashirim, Shlim Amelech, who Yoimad Nachta Shechina La'ara. This is exactly the day when the Shechina revealed itself first time 
in the base Hamikdash of Shleim Hamelech. Pasuk says, "V'la yachlo akainim lamed l'shars etc." My timer begin ki meloi kfoid Hashem is based Hashem. By you yoyma mamish, and that day exactly when Shechina was misgale in the kodesh hakadoshim of the Bais Rishon is galus tushbechada. That's when this was revealed. Without going into the analysis of what it is, it'll take me too much time. It is the song of Gilush Shechina. It is the song of man's constant quest for knowledge. If you look at Shirashirim, it's frightening. It's not the song of a realized reality. It's a song of an unbelievable, even frustrating, but constant quest for proximity. I need to meet you. I need to be with you. That's the song of Gilushchina. We take nothing for granted. We need more. And we're now, we always know we don't have enough. I need to live a world of thought. I need to live a world of values. I need to find Kivas Elukim, Litaib. I need this. Read Rambam in Hilchus Shuva Perik Yud, how he describes what an Oyev Hashem is in constant quest of trying to understand God and be close to him in his mind, equals in his thinking and his values. There's no physical proximity with God. It all lies only here. At the time he writes that the Malkai Mishkan, that which is revealed, your nefesh alakis is not your heart. The godly aspect of your soul is revealed in your world of thought. It's in your moyach. You ever say the Yeratzin before Tfilin? It says that you want to be Meshabed as a Moyach, as a Neshama Shebemoychi. Your connection to God is your capability of thinking, transcendent thoughts, and connecting to them, realizing them, walking, talking, and living them. That's what Tzitzis is all about. Why Dafka Tzitzis on that day? Well, because Tzitzis, as the morale writes in uh, Nesiva Avoida, expresses the purity of the body. The stature of Tzitzis is Godim Levanim. You've walked away from Tibus, you've walked away from externalities, and you're translating your life into God awareness. You take the begged Lavan, and you put Tzitzis there, which remind you of mm-hmm. what? You try your best to see Kisya Kavait wherever you go. We aspire to a, a vision and understanding, which when we look at anything, we try to think of what is where it's from. You know, the Gemara says in Amor, it's not allowed to eat Basar. Or sometimes I hope that maybe some butcher shop should decide to give a bechina and shas before they sell your meat. What does it mean? It's very simple because if you really live a world of values, then what you're when you see in Basar, you see what you can do with it and what it means at multiple levels. It means you're going to take these nutrients and you're going to translate them into an unbelievable world of meisim taivim etc. Wow, that's the person who has the right to eat Basar. Because you're using it for getting closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Amoritz, you may be Bucky Bishas, but he's an Amoritz.
He's not a perfected person. As Rabbi says, Amor doesn't mean ignorant. It means he's still raw material. He hasn't perfected anything, either in his Seichel or his Midos. That's a quotation of Rambo. He's still living in the murkiness of, of temporal reality. Why should he eat Basar? Bisser the Torah is there for creating bigger Chachma. If you plan to eat Bisser the Torah just for Taivas, Osalecha Basar. Wasn't given for that. Wasn't meant for that. Was meant for someone else. Meant for people who are striving the song of Shir Shirim. That's what Tzitzis is. Tzitzis is the begot in which we're Makabu Pneshina. Tzitzis is exactly that which says Bhadim Levanim. What the Ram says we put Musatev but Tzitzis are beautiful by Eloi. Yes, because Tzitzis is that which takes the body and connects it to Actually, it's on the fringe. Equals, it's in your subconsciousness. You're connected to the God of thought, the God of values, not just the God of actions and words and feelings. So you understand that um, the chubm habayis is the chubm of that, the chubm of the parichas, meaning of tzitzis. It's that which somehow existed, which made the struggle of trying to relive and realize my values and to walk away from the shallowness of my Western society and actually be a real Mubakesh Hashem. You know the frustration of a person which tries and it's almost Sisyphean, you're walking up and you're falling down? How frustrating it can be that you really want something and you work on it and somehow you always fall back into the shallowness of the world that you grew up in. I repeat, people take a shortcut. Yeah, dancing, clapping, and they think that emotions will do it. Well, I can tell you they won't. Emotions are very nice and very sweet, and they're needed. But nothing will change unless there's a paradigm switch. One actually understands that, you know, it all goes back to the boss. It all goes back to what my, my thoughts are. It all goes back to what meaning is. It all goes back to I really look in the mirror and see this is a neshama in a goof. And what a neshama is, and ultimately I must be living according to that. Mm-hmm. It's called intellectual honesty. It's called consistency. And can you imagine there was a place like that? Just the thought of it is unbelievable. There was a place at that. There was an unbelievable place where you could connect to that. Not just you, but the nation could. The nation could meditate, makav kabanis, and then chaygigim elav shalish pamim b'shana. You live in a society which has lived that way or strived for that, and all that's gone, and you feel like, oh, how much you miss this. You miss this terribly. Sometimes I think about this on Purim, and that's a good reason for getting drunk. <laughs> you want this to happen already. So on Purim, you think you're going to do a shortcut, but the truth of the matter is, there are no shortcuts. And you want the sechzana eneinu b'shuvcha in berachamim hevrachmanus. And let us finally realize that. Ani kivas Hashem Yes, to a person who lives this world of thought, or rather strives, or wishes to will, to want, to desire, to live in that universe. And it's quite frustrated how hard this is. 
these are days of mourning. You're mourning for the hardships that you endure to be consistent. The constant failures, and thank God you don't give up. And you're hoping God can please help and bring this Migdash back. You know, there's a famous Hasidic story that um, Baal Shem Tov's daughter was once sweeping the base medrash in Mezbush. All of a sudden she stops and says, God, I know you're going to help. Could you possibly help a little bit before you help? So, yeah, that's that's my Tishabov. Sharing this with you, it's a bit of a private Tishabov. Hopefully it will induce you to think and formulate your own. Hopefully we will all meet together in Yerushalayim, in the great Migdash. Mm-hmm. We'll all be chagim elov, this Tishabov, and ultimately Shalish Pam Bashana. Have a great year. Bye. Oh,